Welcome to Talking Tuesdays. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today I am super excited to be back here on the podcast, season four. Uh, this is like a big, I don't know, a big kickoff here for me because for anyone that's following the YouTube channel specifically, uh, I cut everything out. So I have not been on YouTube. I took an actual break of like no content creation, no note taking. So you probably don't know how this all works, but for me, my brain is going 24 seven and I've got notes and scraps all over my desk here. And I'm always taking all these notes on like ideas for videos. And probably out of 100 ideas, I think like five videos get made. I just don't have the time. I forget. Uh, anyways, I've been crazy like that. I have tried to cut out absolutely everything from YouTube. I have not been on the YouTube creation train here. I have taken a complete break. Um, it's been over a month, I believe. And then I kind of started shooting some videos. My brain starts kicking back in. I have all this refresh of ideas now. Um, I did some things to kind of reset a bit and now I'm super excited to get back here. I believe the podcast, if you are exclusively on the podcast platform, uh, so Spotify, Apple podcast or any of those, uh, it's been since like, I don't know, I think I kicked off in March if I remember right. I don't know. It's been a while since season three though. And then of course we have 12 episodes that takes us partway through, but I think season three, I don't know. It ended in the spring. I know that for sure. Um, but it's exciting to be back on here. And so we're going to kick off and just talk a lot about what has been going on um, because it has been really crazy. And this is part of the reason I just can't do YouTube. I couldn't do the podcast. Um, so everyone knows I have the shop build and everything and I have all this stuff going on. And then I hinted at I have some career things going on internally where I'm working and I'm struggling with that. And then on top of that, uh, my, I don't know how to say it, I guess my ear is always to the ground. Uh, I'm always looking for like another opportunity. And it's not that I'm unhappy where I'm at working now, or it's not, you know, this way in the past as well. Uh, but I always have my ear to the ground. Like I'm always listening for another amazing opportunity. Um, you just don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know how they're going to come. You don't know how they're going to play out. Uh, and so I'm always just, I mean, recruiters reach out. I say, yeah, I'm more than happy to hop on a call. Uh, you know, some managing director or CRO or someone will hit me up and say, Dimitri, I worked with you, you know, X amount of years ago, or a friend of a friend's recommended you, or I saw your LinkedIn account. And so I'm always like, yeah, it's fine. We can chat. And you get a ton of nonsensical recruiting. I don't know what to call it. Uh just garbage basically because it's like they can look at your profile on LinkedIn when they email you through LinkedIn and they can see like your title like associate director senior vice president and then they're like hey I have this really amazing opportunity it's an analyst role doing quant finance I think your skills match up perfectly well obviously I've been doing this for uh, I don't know seven years eight years seven and a half something like that like been doing this a while and then my quality of work is so high I'm getting bumped up you know further and further like obviously I'm not going to take an entry-level role at some rinky-dink operation here so anyways so I have this new opportunity kind of come up I've already been turning down a lot of the big banks I'm not going to list them off uh, they're looking for people at the vice president level and they're interesting opportunities uh, so again AI machine learning specifically um, other opportunities are economics-based, so forecasting, variable creation, uh, those sorts of opportunities. And then 
there's just been a lot going on and I got this call and there's been a subscriber of ours. So someone part of the channel and we've had this kind of dialogue over the years. So when I say dialogue, it's not like this constant conversation. So I have a lot more constant updates with some of you uh, than others. This individual, amazing, interesting person. Uh, again, just kind of a contact once maybe every year, kind of checks in, we kind of chat. Uh, needed some help with this project. They're working with cryptocurrencies. And I've always been like, well, I don't know, like the first conversations were focused around helping out with this project part-time. So I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I mean, it looks really interesting. I don't get me wrong, but I can't do my full-time job and, you know, help with this on the side. Like it's a conflict of interest as well. It's both finance especially quant finance, it's kind of model related. I mean, I don't know, like it could be possible to do it because it's cryptocurrencies and in my day job, I don't do anything with cryptocurrencies. I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know, I just don't have the time. I've got YouTube, I've got the podcast, I have my family, you know, I've got my day job, I've got all this stuff kind of going on. And like, I don't know, I, I just don't think I can do it, but it sounds great, it sounds interesting. Um, and so a year, maybe goes by, a year, two years goes by, they're still kind of talking about it. And then finally here recently, uh, they emailed me and said, hey, do you know anybody who can do high frequency trading algorithms? Uh, we really need someone to do this. And so I looked at it and I was like, I don't know anybody, but I would start hunting through, you know, like Nomura, Two Sigmas, DE Shaw. Uh, look at these big quant names and quant firms they're gonna have the people you're looking for, but be aware the comp's probably gonna start around 200,000 to be able to pull these guys in. So you're gonna need to be able to do this. Um, and you need to be able to bring in top talent. This is like one of those areas you don't wanna screw up on. And so they said, okay, okay, that, that's fine. We'll, we'll take a look. And so I go, I really appreciate you know reaching out, whatever. I didn't really think they were asking if I could do it. I think there was a little bit of conversation around it, but I'm like, I don't work on you know the buy side here. Uh, I don't work in high frequency trading. This just doesn't sound like my cup of tea. And then I've had some issues at work, some frustrations. Uh, a lot of this coming down to like a lack of being heard. Uh, again, a lot of people say, Dimitri, you're the complainer. Had an old colleague call me the complainer constantly. But I'm the individual that's trying to balance in the middle of, we have systems in place for a reason. They work well because of these reasons. This is why we need them. I understand they seem you know, redundant or like annoying or whatever, but I understand this is why we need to keep these portions. But then I'm also trying to balance the half of like, these other things suck and they don't work well and we need to fix them. And the reason they're not fixed is because they're challenging problems to fix. And so we need to spend resources and time fixing these problems. And if we fix these problems, and keep our foot somewhat in reality of what we really need to be doing, we can be a better bank. We can do better validations. We can be better model developers, right? We can be better quants and even just better human beings. And so I'm always stuck in this middle piece where everyone's like upset that don't complain about changing things. Just put your head down and do the usual day job. And then I have, you know, the younger people always upset, you know, talking about we need to make changes. You know, I'm tired of all this old crap. Get rid of the old crap. And so you have like one side fighting for new and exciting innovation and machine learning's coming and data science is sweeping through and you have people acknowledging they need to make the changes, 
but they're not going to do it, right? It's too complicated. We'll sit back. We'll watch and see what the other banks do. We'll see what other individuals are doing. And then we'll kind of be basically the last person to get around to it because life sucks and it's complicated and we don't want to take a risk. And we're kind of just basically lazy and lack a lot of these portions. And so when you're stuck in the middle, right? People like Dimitri, we don't like you. Like you rock the boat. You're causing problems. You're wanting to keep old systems. You're wanting to change some of the old systems. You're like, kind of in the middle and we don't like that because we're either on one side or the other. So you have no friends and you can't win on this. And so this has been going back and forth and back and forth and I'm rocking the boat and I'm wanting to set standards and people aren't listening and then people take your ideas and I don't really care that they take the credit for them but then you see teams being led and promoted and things moving forward on some of these areas and yet you're looking at it thinking, why am I doing all this for free, which I'm not even being comped, it's not even in my annual review really, and yet these individuals are getting bumped, promoted, and taken care of, and you know, praised to these great geniuses, and yet what you're producing is not very good quality, and then I'm having to help you do all this, and there's a whole bunch of other layers to this I'm not gonna get into, but it gets ridiculous, and so I'm starting to think like, I'm tired of this, I don't wanna deal with this anymore, and I started thinking, and someone even asked a question which kind of sparks this a little more, you know, about why I'm staying in banking. So I've thought about this a lot, guys. I've thought about why am I even in banking? What is my goal? Is this a job? Is this a career? I apologize, I'm drinking some tea today. You might hear a little slurping. Um, but what am I really doing here? Why can't I leave banking? Am I going to leave banking? At this point, I'm like, I hate banking. I want to leave banking. And that's part of me like, just go do something else, right? I've had opportunities to go to these big tech firms. Um, I would like to go maybe on the buy side. People are saying, Dimitri, check out this individual, talk to them, uh, mention this opportunity, check in with this person. People are out there saying, we, we can help you. There's other opportunities available for you and you can do amazing things with this. We know you can. And then there's part of me saying, I get it, I wanna leave, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm gonna jump. And then part of me is saying, I can't leave banking, I don't wanna leave banking. Um, one of these reasons is just banking is broken and I see that, and like I wanna get hired and I want to fix something, right? I'm being paid to fix a problem. I really view them as two different, there's two types of employees. There's employees that kinda of hold the status quo, and there's employees that innovate and change and drive things. And for me, I want to innovate and drive things and create new opportunities and really make things happen. And yet banking has tons of opportunities. The regulations which people complain about make a lot of opportunities because we have to get more creative. Um, we have to set higher standards. So finance, their standards of rigor are 10 times above and beyond anything in tech. And I've talked about this before, there's pros and cons to being so rigid because you miss out on creativity. But at the same time, it actually creates creativity because you have to come up with unique solutions that fit inside of a very specific, academic, rigorous box. You can't think as freely. And yet, you can sometimes operate and create better solutions. So these are things to think about. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point, right? I don't know, should I go full-heartedly looking for a job? Uh, should I do something different? I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. And so this opportunity comes up and these individuals reach out and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I, I could do this, right? I could really do kind of high frequency trading algorithms. This is nothing new, really. This falls into my wheelhouse. 
And so I'm like, let me reach out to them and just see if they're interested in doing it. And some conversations went back and forth and some emails went back and forth. And then it came clear, okay, what they're really needing is someone to do time series modeling. So if you guys know anything about me or my channel, this is my specialty. This is my true passion. This is what I absolutely love. So I'm reading, you know, time series books and stochastic processes books and looking at linking everything together. And I build these in, in my own team. I am the guy that actually builds out and validates almost all the time series models because of my expertise and experience in this area. And again, of course, my one and only paper that is published that I think is a decent paper is on time series and why models suck and why they're broken and why people are doing things incorrectly. And again, it's just the core basics. It's nothing fancy. And yet we keep seeing failures. And it's because of this. And so we go back and forth and they say, we'd love to have you on the team. We want someone on time series. So I said, okay, well, explain the job to me. Explain the firm to me better now. Right? I need to understand the business model. I need to understand how feasible it is as a business. And so the two founders of this company get on the call and we're chatting about it and we're discussing you know, what they do and everything. And in a nutshell, I'm not gonna give away which firm this is, which organization this is. Uh, I really like the two individuals. So when I interviewed, one of the big draws for me is I think they were both excited about the project. They were both hands-on. They both wanted to make it happen. Um, they both seemed pretty bright. So like for me, this is like a really good, perfect dream fit job. And I start talking to them more and it's like, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do derivative pricing on, so option pricing here, right? Option pricing on Ethereum contracts. So if you don't know, there is, banks are already moving. They're moving behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know this. It's not proprietary though. You can find articles online on it, but a lot of the big banks are moving towards um, cryptocurrencies, having currencies. Along with having cryptocurrencies comes option contracts on currencies to hedge risk with currencies. Uh, there's this, this is movement, right? Everyone's moving towards this. All the banks are wanting to do this because, well, not all the banks, a lot of the big banks, global banks are wanting to just to get ahead of the curve and ahead of the issues. And so it's a big draw for them to do this. Uh, so I'm looking at this now career-wise thinking this would be amazing, right? I would be the guy building out, running, uh, we negotiated back and forth the title of the job, for example, but basically I would be the head of quantitative research at an option trading firm that specializes in cryptocurrency options. Okay. So I would run the team, have one or two people working under me. We would be actually hands-on building models and I'd be managing that individual, of course, working in with the founders and they'd be running the entire business and they've built platforms and apps and all this stuff to work together, right? There's like 99.9% .9 of the business they're actually doing. I would just come in and build these models uh, and kind of run this and do some research on how to price out options for this. Um, and so it's exciting and it's fun. And I'm like, oh, this is like a dream job of mine, right? This is amazing. Uh, I'm going to be able to get paid decently. I think we started off negotiations, I think around $250,000. So yes, quarter million dollars. It's not a ton, but it is quite a bit. It is in line with a lot of the positions at these big hedge funds, for example. And so we're negotiating back and forth and there's also some equity, well, not technically equity. Uh, there is some cryptocurrency that you'd be paid out as part of the compensation. So again, you have this opportunity of growth on this cryptocurrency, plus you have, um, this cryptocurrency is based in this business. So it's basic an equity share in the business through cryptocurrencies. And then there's another way on top of that to make money with those. And then, you know, you're getting your quarter million dollars 
And I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Compensation-wise, this is near the ballpark of where I'm at currently. Nothing crazy, nothing exciting, but this is gonna be awesome, right? This is the dream job. I'm so excited and so happy about this. And then we had the, another conversation where I'm really trying to understand the business part, right? Because as a modeler, I don't just get paid to put data into a model, make a modeling structure and predict a number, which, yeah, that's what we really do. But you have to understand your models and time series are like these magical storytelling machines for me. And I really get excited when I see them and, you know, get to dive into them and build them out. I'm building models currently in my job, but it's really exciting. I love it. But I want to understand their problem, their business, where they see it going, what are the issues. And so I'm starting to buy, I'll give you an example here. Uh, so you're not gonna be able to see this on the podcast, but I bought a book called Market Microstructure in Practice, second edition. Uh, it's this cool green book here. Anyways, it was recommended to me by someone who I actually trust on the scientific rigor of mathematics and quant finance. And I'm getting into that and I've got you know, stocked up and bought more stochastic you know, calculus and stochastic processes books and modeling. And I'm getting even more excited and then we had this conversation talking about how it's being structured and where what the users are and who's going to be using it. And then we started getting into these details around the fact that users can't be from the United States because um, essentially you have to be licensed and registered to create derivative products with you know the SEC. So you have to be with regulators in the United States. And so when you have to do that, the issue is, is that you have to do all this paperwork and all this processing and it's a whole bunch of headaches and it's a bunch of stuff. And of course it's a startup. So it's like, even if they want to move that direction, do a lot of that, um, there's just a lot to do to even get to that point. So it's easier to go a foreign route and allow foreign companies, foreign individuals, right, uh, to work and kind of invest in these different sort of option pricing for, you know, cryptocurrencies. And so... I was really excited and then I'm starting to worry like, wait, can't be done in the US. And I've had some experience with legal run-ins in the past where we were 0% at fault. There's almost no way you would even think that the issue we were at fault on, we were at fault, completely independent of this. And it was like we were being dragged through the mud in courts and it was legal battle after legal battle. And let me tell you, the government sucks no matter where you go. Governments are bad, governments are stupid, governments are incompetent. Yeah, you need government for some specific things, but governments are corrupt on the inside. It doesn't matter you know, what system you have, communism, socialism, capitalism, hybrids of all sorts, it does not matter, government sucks. But you need the legal system. And my buddy of mine's a lawyer who came on the channel before, and I've chatted with him before, you know, about the intricacies of legal battles and all these sorts of things. And then I was thinking about this and I started thinking, wait, do you need to be licensed and registered, right? The United States sucks, we have regulations, and there's good reasons for it, so don't get me wrong. Should I start looking at other countries, right? So let's look at like the UK. UK, they have rules too, you have to be licensed to it there. Uh, let's look at Australia. Australia's got the same thing. Uh, and then I'm starting to think like there's other countries like India and China, which have a lot of people. And I'm like, I don't really know their legal system. As I'm starting to look out throughout Europe, we're seeing again, regulations, regulations, regulations. And now my dream's starting to evaporate. 
And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm just way overdoing this, right? I'm thinking like, I don't know. I'm just panicking. I'm a risk management professional. I get worried about all kinds of stuff here in risk. Um, anyways, and I called up another buddy of mine and said, you know, I need some legal advice here. I know this is not in your wheelhouse. Uh, let's dive in here on this and figure out some some legal things I need help with. So he goes, all right, no worries, man. Just give me a ring after work. I call him up, I explain the business, I explain the situations, I explain my concerns. And of course, the first words out of his mouth is, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't specialize in cryptocurrencies. I said, I completely understand. I'm not asking for your legal advice, to be honest with you. I want your personal opinion, being a lawyer, right? So some legal aspects on this. Would you do this? Would you not do this? These are, as I've mentioned, these are my concerns, right? Even if we are 100% in the legal right, I would take zero responsibility being extradited to another country to be sued, um, right? I, I don't want to take that risk. I want nothing. So we started talking through it. And I'm like, dude, this is like a dream job though. Like I need, <laughs> I want this job so bad. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, you could write into the like an employment contract. Essentially, you take zero responsibility. They agree to take the responsibility on this. And basically it wipes you free in some scenarios. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of loopholes around this. And he goes, once you start getting into other countries, uh, US law has no bearing. Uh, so he goes, something could be nonsensical. It's a risk you take. It's up to you. He goes, I don't really know if I would take it or not. Uh, if the compensation is good, think about doing it but it's a big risk. I mean, that's kind of what you're pointing out as well, but that's my opinion on it. And he goes, and I've worked with some other clients on crypto cases, so cryptocurrency, um, but not like this. So I said, okay, that's fine, that's fine. I, I appreciate the advice. So I thought about it for another day or two, and of course, you know, the founders are getting excited about, you know, me coming on board, and it sounds like it's all gonna work out. So I emailed them and said, hey, I need some legal assurance here, right? This doesn't sound really legal. And there's a lot of countries around the world and how you actually restrain things from an IT perspective is important. They said, okay, we'll block, we're gonna be blocking IP addresses already. That's already been in the plan for a long time. We've thought this through. I said, yeah, that's fine, but I don't know. I like, I need something else. Do you guys have a corporate lawyer that could write me a letter explaining why this is not as risky as it seems, right? They said, yeah, 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 we have a lawyer. He's well known in the industry in the cryptocurrency realms. Uh, he's been working with this. And to note here too, some, I don't know, icing on the cake here, some more details. This firm has backing from some fairly well-known tech companies and people that have worked on projects that most of you have heard of. And so it's got best and bright minds involved in it. The lawyer, of course, they wait, they wait, they wait. And the lawyer sends a letter back and says, you know, basically like, I'm a lawyer, I work for this firm. Um, it's great and amazing. This is an awesome opportunity. Uh, of course, you know, this is something that could have some risk to it, but you know, these guys are on top of it and they're great and amazing. Well, that's fine, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't answer my question on a legal matter, right? I need a legal matter with laws and case study to explain why this would go one way or another. Or you need to look into it and realize like these are the top countries that would be using the platform based on our research. Uh, these are going to be the risks that we associate. These are the countries we've done research on. These are their current laws or the lack of laws. 
these are past case studies. Again, this is what lawyers do, guys. They look at past cases and judgments, and then they figure out the probability, not mathematically per se, but they look at these things and realize, okay, this is a high likelihood or a low likelihood of being sued for these reasons. Um, again, the lawyers didn't provide that. I was disappointed with that, and I was like, you might be well-known. You might have went to a good school, but you're not really a good lawyer. I can tell you that. Like, it just... <laughs> This is not how you do law. I've worked with a lot of lawyers over the years for corporate law, and this is not super sound. And so I contacted individuals from the company. I said, you know, I really appreciate the offer. I can't take it, though. Um, again, me, I'm like heartbroken somewhat because it's such a dream opportunity for me. Uh, running my own team right, educating people, advancing the quant community here, uh, getting into cryptocurrencies. Career-wise, this could be an amazing opportunity because even if I worked here for five years, for example, let's say it fails, it'd be easy to have it on your resume, jump over to one of these big banks that are working on it, advise them, run teams and do all that. Like it's, I thought it through. It's a really good opportunity, but this legal snag in my past legal experiences has me really struggling with this. And so I write them the email and explain like, I can't take it. It's too big of a risk for me. I have a family and everything. Like, yeah, even if it pays out, a lot. I, don't, I just can't do it. I, I really apologize, guys. And so they send me back a counter offer, <laughs> and it, they up the money, so they up the base, uh, they up some of the corporate benefits, you know, pay-ins from these different cryptocurrencies, and adding more percentages and everything. And I'm looking at this, thinking this could easily range again above a quarter million dollars where it started. Uh, if things go fairly well, so not like through the moon, not crazy over projections, but they did really well in general, a little above average here. We're looking at about a half million dollar payout. So 400,000 to $500,000 um, to do this. And then of course, as you make money throughout the years, more money will pile on and if the company does better, I would be taking a cut based on the new employment contract of my model's performance. If the data from my models is being sold, to other companies and consumers. And now I'm like, this looks amazing. And I already told them no, and I'm not looking for a counter offer. And I like that they really want me to work there. And I think both these individuals are great. I think they'd be fun to work for. I could still work remote too, which is a huge deal for me. But I can't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger, guys. Um, again, legalese-wise, this is a, a real risk for me. Now, they might go in, they might run this business, and you have multiple scenarios. It could become super, super successful. It could be amazing, worth millions of dollars. You could be a million. I could have been a millionaire coming out of this if it worked out all well. Um, that's one scenario. Another scenario is does mediocre, does average, you make some money. It could do, you know, third case could be it runs terribly. You get paid out your salary, but you're basically all your other options and your cryptos are worth nothing. And you could have a mix of all three of those and be sued and face legal issues and legal challenges. And you might not have anything to worry about because you're not really the founder, but you might also be charged with all kinds of other legal issues, being the guy that's creating the models, that's running the data. Um, it's it's just a risk, right? Life is a risk. When you get up every day and I get in my car and I drive somewhere, I've taken a risk that I might get hit and die. I mean, I get it. But as a risk manager and a risk professional, for me, that's above my limit. So. Anyways, that's kind of the rundown here. This is one of the crazy scenarios that's been going on here. It's been kind of a, as I mentioned, a bananas kind of uh, crazy here. Just, I don't know, off the walls, 
ridiculous job stories, <laughs> trainings, interviews, people's companies. They mentioned some of those ridiculously low offers and people, somewhat insulting coming for looking for like analysts. Uh, again, talking to friends of mine, staying connected. It's been crazy. Anyways, this is probably the most exciting thing, though, that I will talk about of things that have happened while I've been gone. Uh, season four, again, just as a little wrap up here on this episode and some of some some summaries here. Uh, we're going to cover a little bit of just like more quantitative interviews with just different people, getting to know them, talking about random topics, as we've done in the past, you know, with Peter Carr and Agusu Gianto, uh, as well as others like Lewis. Um, we're gonna do some interviews, we're gonna have some fun. Uh, on top of that, I'm gonna talk about some softer skill sides of the job, uh, things to consider, things like, I don't know, things I just wanna talk about, we're gonna dive in here. It's Talking Tuesdays is supposed to be my outlet of just chatting with you guys about quant finance and things related to it, but also just things I wanna talk about that are related to work and different things of those natures. So anyways, thanks for watching. If you did like this channel, if you did like this video, don't forget to subscribe because there's going to be a whole bunch of videos coming out. Um, again, this is the first episode here in season four. We have 12 episodes typically per season. Uh, I do throw in bonus episodes as interviews with guests come up occasionally because timing doesn't work out. And so we move them after the season and they're bonus episodes. But give this a like, give me a subscribe on YouTube here. Thanks for watching, and as always, until next time.